I will often on that initial phone call ask if I can get the address if there's if there are still pictures online from whenever the house was listed that can be really helpful. Welcome back to Women at Work, a podcast by Pro Remodeler and Pro Builder, where we chat with women in residential construction, highlighting their successes, journeys, and sharing their insights for other women in the industry. I'm Caroline Broderick, Managing Editor for Pro Remodeler and your co-host. Today, we have a special guest host taking over. Pro Remodeler's Director of Content, Eric Kamasi, chats with Jenny Rice, co-owner of Icon Building Group. Jenny's work has resulted in a 300% increase in backlogs in just two years, and on a day-to-day basis, she focuses on sales and design for the company's remodeling division, which she started from the ground up. On this episode, Jenny will discuss her process of qualifying leads in today's market. So Jenny, being in the Chicago market, I am sure that you're facing the same challenges that every other remodeler in every other market is facing labor issues, supply chain issues, backlog issues, getting so many leads and having a hard time qualifying them, knowing which projects to take on and which not to do in terms of being realistic about your time and your bandwidth. So thinking about all of that, what is the first step that you take when you get that lead? So really do as much screening as I can on the phone. And that can be a little challenging. People like to play pretty close to the vest, especially when we get to budget. So I will often on that initial phone call ask if I can get the address, if there are still pictures online from whenever the house was listed that can be really helpful. So you're speaking while looking at 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 least some version of the house, whether it was when they owned it or previous owner owned it. But it gives me some sort of framework to see what we're dealing with. And then Understanding the scope of work and, you know, having a realistic um, idea if that is a job that you want to take on, whether too big or too small, really. And then the real crux of it is budget to see if they have a realistic idea of what work, especially work in today's world, costs. So under the best of circumstances, I think that there's sticker shock in our industry because homeowners don't realize how much this stuff costs. With consumer prices rising so quickly, costs are going up for a remodel. How do you handle that sticker shock? Initially, if people are reluctant to share their budget, customers may be concerned that if they tell me, hey, my budget for my kitchen is $50,000, i am magically going to say, oh, well, happily, this is going to cost $49,000. You know, I think they're really scared that there's still a little bit of uncertainty about our industry in general, which is an uphill battle for all of us. When people are nervous, I like to just give them general statistics. So it can't offend anybody. I can say, well, hey, let me tell you what the average suburban kitchen size is. And let me tell you what that average suburban kitchen with a stock cabinet you know, in a quartz countertop, what you might expect to pay for that sort of kitchen facelift type of project. So at least they have a basis to which to compare their project to. And I can then say, is this sort of what you were anticipating for a ballpark range? And if they tell me I am crazy, I'll go, okay, well, maybe we're not the best fit and that's okay. And there's undoubtedly people that are less expensive than me. Uh, It's almost never happened where people go, woo, that's less than what I thought you were going to say. And just to get a sense of your company, what are the average size projects that you normally work on, say a kitchen remodel? The spiel that I give, if you want to call it a spiel, at least in our area, the average size kitchen, and and I'm talking about where the cabinets and countertops are, not where the kitchen table is, is about 11 by 13. 
I'm going to leave the flooring out because that seems to always have its own scope creep when we do remodeling. But for, you know, kind of a facelift remodel where we're just giving it a, a, a brighter finish and more updated look um, with stock cabinets, you might expect to pay upwards of 50. Um, that is not including appliances. And what about paint? We do paint. Um, I know a lot of remodelers do not offer paint. It's a sticking point for some people. It is an incredibly, it's incredibly expensive for remodel painting due to all the prep work, all the time in just covering the floors and draping the cabinetry and protecting everything. On top of paint itself has gone up about 20% in the last 18 months. Just paint, a regular gallon of paint is about 20% more expensive right now. People are shocked by how much painting is. So we do offer painting. I believe I'd like to leave people with the finished product so they don't have to find a painter when we're done. I just feel like they'll still look at us like we never finished our job. And I understand some people don't offer painting. Having said that, it is one of the first things I'll peel back if I feel like I'm getting some resistance to that price range. I can say, hey, do you have a good painter or how handy are you? Is it something that you would like to tackle? And I can pull that out of the budget then. And I think it builds a sense of trust and community like I'm trying to make this work for you the best I can. And here's one way to do it. So you're their partner rather exactly. than their adversary. That's right. And it really, that's really my attitude going through. Like I'm a consumer also. I'm, I'm not consuming remodeling right now, but I'm frustrated and I get, I get what everybody's going through in this market. I can relate. And I'd rather have a partner that we are sharing this frustration than them just being mad at me if something's delayed or late or I can't get it. That actually goes for the labor shortage too, because you might have somebody, a sub say, who's out sick or jobs get held up and so they're on another job. So the same gap in production that happens from the product side, I'm assuming happens in your company as well. On the labor side, it's happening everywhere. Absolutely. I do address that at the sales, really the first meeting with the homeowners. And I, I've said it before, I, we have always really prided ourselves on our project management with almost no downtime between contractors. The, when the framing is done, the, the plumber's there. When the plumber's done, the electrician's there, one after the next. Um, and customers feel very reassured seeing work happen every day. Well, now, um, exactly what you said, maybe the plumber has gotten sick, so his previous job got bumped, and so our job gets bumped, or maybe the electrician, his part, of his materials were backordered, so his previous job got bumped, and so our job is getting bumped. So we now are having to deal with longer gaps between trades from time to time, and it's frustrating for us as well, but it is, uh, it is what, we're, what we're dealing with. What about actual product availability, like being unable to honor the consumer's choice, say, for a finished material that they want? Right. Aren't we all dealing with that? We're lucky enough to have several suppliers for most of all of our products. So I will often, for cabinetry, for example, um, cabinetry, you can get it. It's just how long people are willing to wait for it for a particular line. So, and I explain that line by line, what the challenges are with, e with each of them. And some of them, um, their track record has been much more reliable, some less so. So I try and get, explain the pros and cons of each of the lines and see where they're most comfortable. But uh, in any, in every selection, I try and get a second choice or at least offer them something similar in the event that something is really holding up production. What I'm hearing from you as like an overall theme is, I guess, two themes. One would be transparency, 
you are being as transparent as possible with the homeowner. Yes. And the same thing that I'm hearing you talk about is you're making a lot of contingency plans across the board. Yes, we call it, we pivot. <laughs> I say we have to pivot <laughs> a lot. Uh, on the plus side, um, sometimes you end up with a product even better than what you might've imagined because you are forced to pivot and think outside the box a little bit. Uh, and also, I think people realize how hard we're working to facilitate this project and whatever we have to do, whether it's having two or three backup faucets or a backup tile option or you know a contingency for your cabinetry, we are trying really hard to make this happen. So I do think it engenders great trust. And like I said, we're, we're in the boat paddling together instead of fighting with each other. It's not really, it's not my way or the highway. We're, we're figuring out a way to make it happen. Oh, Jenny, this has been such a great conversation. You have so many like pearls of wisdom to give to the industry <laughs> and I appreciate you're taking the time. I can't thank you enough. I'm, I'm a podcast junkie. So to be on one, it's kind of a bucket list thing. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Jenny for joining Erica on the podcast, and thank you all for listening. Before I close out today's episode, I'd like to mention our Women in Residential Construction Conference is back in person for this year. It's the first time since 2019. So join us and hundreds of fellow other women in San Diego this October. You can find that information and more in the episode show notes. And we'll be back next time with another woman killing it in the game. And until then, keep the work up.